and the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak on a very special mock draft Monday. I just did like hand motions when I did the mock draft Monday, but you guys didn't see that because it's mock not- draft. It's got like it's like it's like signal flagging. Yeah, on, like, it one hundred percent looked like I was flagging you in at an airport. We got to learn how to say Mock Draft Monday in Morse code. And the next time we should open the podcast with beep, 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 today, it is. The reason why it's a special Mock Draft Monday is because it is a Benjamin Solak Mock Draft Monday. Your second favorite co-host of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast put out a Mock Draft this morning. Ben, what's the percentage of you're an idiot to... This is the worst mock draft I've ever seen. Did you get? You would think I would have learned by now. <laughs> we never do. We, we never do. But every time I finish a mock, I scroll through the picks one last time, and I go, you know what? I am proud of the amount of research I did into these teams. I am proud of my understanding of uh, their, uh, uh, you know, their their, their schemes their and schemes. their their tendencies the general managers how they like to approach picks and what their theory is in terms of team building and approaching the draft and i am i am happy with this and i really i actually think this time it's going to go over well and then it never freaking does and i don't think every every, the way people act it's like i just threw names (laughs) at position at teams Oh yeah, it would be fun hey man hey man don't be don't be, don't be so loud with that they don't need to know what we actually do please Please, I want him to make him. I want to make the people feel like we actually do hard work instead of me spinning a wheel of fortune wheel and then throwing a dart at it, and that's where the prospects go for the teams. You spin the wheel and throw the dart, huh? Yeah, so it's like a combination. Oh, so you do of do games, a lot you know more work saying? than I do. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I light the darts on fire and then Whoa. just throw them straight at the thing. I uh, right. So like, I don't know. I um. I'm trying to think of a good example. Like Titans, uh, not Titans. Uh, Panthers fans are pissed, and I get it. Tampa Bay fans are pissed, I get it. Oh, it's a great one. Arizona fans are upset that they have Derek Brown. All right, so we're still. All right, we're, gonna, we're starting. We're starting with Arizona because all right, this episode, you guys, we're just running down Ben's mock draft. We're going to talk all about it. Ben's going to actually defend what his picks are. We're starting with Derek Brown. Let's do it. This Derek Brown. What are you talking about? So, oh, the Cardinals would never. Like, I got somebody who's like, I know the Cardinals, I know Steve Kime, and there's no way they're going to be able to resist, you know, the gaudy pick of, of C.D. Lamb in the top of the first round. Brother. Gaudy? Brother. He's the best defensive lineman in the country! Wait, what are you talking wait, about wait, here? Wait, 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 hold up, hold up. Better than Chase Young, because you said defensive lineman. Okay, best defensive tackle in the country. Okay, Fine, I just, whatever. I'm do I, I stopped it for you. I'm looking out for you. But go ahead. Right, but, I agree. but this is like, would have been a first rounder if he came out last year. Now he's back. This and he's first rounder again, and he was even better. And he's gonna really get. And you don't have any defensive tackles. Yeah. Name an Arizona Cardinal defensive tackle, Trevor. Name one. Uh, uh, Robert Kendici. Darnell what? Darnell Dockett. Sir, what year is this? Uh, <laughs> William Perry. I don't think he ever played okay. for the Cardinals at any point. I don't think William Perry ever did play for the Cardinals. But, like, yeah, they are – it's Vance Joseph, so it's it's 3-4. But they, like, they've got Zach Allen, who was their starter at defensive end. Oh, nice. And then they play uh, whatever his name. Corey Peters is the nose, and they play Rodney Gunter on the inside as well. Corey, Corey Peters, Rodney Gunter. No, we don't need Derek Brown. We need CeeDee Lamb. Shut up! <laughs> this is you! 
<laughs> and he's not usually there. It's a big deal that he's there. Yeah. No, I think that this – I mean, this – if you're going to complain about picks in this mock draft, number eight is not the pick to complain about. Because, look, I think that fans kind of get it in their heads, which they are fully allowed to do as fans. You can come up with it, whatever reasoning or pick that you want. But, like, the Cardinals obviously need a playmaker. So it is it is super flashy to just give them Jerry Judy or give them C.D. Lamb, right? Pairing Kyler with another type of playmaker that allows them to think, ooh, the offense is going to go crazy. Like, they're they're building stuff around Kyler. This makes a lot of sense. Cliff's going to get a weapon that he can really focus on. So they kind of just get it in their head. This is what I want. When in reality, I mean, let's break this bad boy down here. You get Derrick Brown at eight and you're the Cardinals. You can get a damn good wide receiver in the second round. You can get a damn good wide receiver in the third round. You can get a damn good wide receiver in the fifth round. In this class, you can get a damn good wide receiver in the fifth round. So... And let's not act like, number one, Cliff's just in charge of team building. He's not. He's a first-time NFL coach, random head coach, gut shot hire that does not have full influence over the roster. Obviously, wide receivers have of paramount importance for a team that's going to be in 10, uh, 10 personnel is going to be in four wide a lot. But they drafted Andy Isabella and Akeem Butler both last year. And they have Demir Bird. They got Christian Kirk two years ago. You you have young guys. Oh, three. Keyshawn Johnson drafted three receivers in 2019. Mm-hmm. So you have young guys. And even if you as a head coach are like, listen, all of these guys suck. I want all new ones, which like Isabella Butler, both obviously underperformed relative to expectation. Butler had the injury. Keyshawn was, you know, fine for a six round pick. But even if you're like they're all stuck, I want all new ones. It's literally the general manager's job to tell you that's not how this works. You have to give these <laughs> sure. guys multiple years to develop. So they can't even just go like they can't just renege and be like, ah, we're just getting more wide receivers. You have other problems. Yeah. Yeah. It took so long to get you an offensive lineman in last year's draft. It was a problem this year. I didn't give you an offensive line in the first round. I gave you an offensive lineman in the second round in Prince Tego Winogo who can start for you at either tackle position. You need that. So, yeah. Like, I get, like, oh, our whole thing is passing, but you also do need to address other positions. They definitely, I, I think that Cardinals fans, I don't want to say they're necessarily even wrong in in their thought process of, like, why they wouldn't want Derrick Brown, because I do think that they need an offensive playmaker. Just the problem is that we got to remember the four core positions of the game of football, okay? It's quarterback, it's the guy who protects the quarterback, it's the guy who rushes the quarterback, and it's a lockdown corner. Like, those are the four core positions. And though wide receiver is important, playmakers are important, athletes are important, you can get those guys anywhere in the draft, especially in this class. So... If Derek Brown's sitting there at eight, you know, I thought that I was going to come in and just like stick with the people and roast Ben on his mock because everybody knows that's what I love to do. It's one of my favorite pastimes. But like eight is not the place to do it. Derek Brown going to the to, to the Cardinals is definitely not the place to do it. You still have Joe Burrow going number one. You wrote a beautiful poem to explain exactly why Joe Burrow would go number one. If you guys haven't read it, head over to the draftnetwork.com, click on Ben's mock and read the poem that he wrote with the number one overall pick. Chase Young's going too. No change there. You have the Panthers trading up to number three. I've done this a handful of times in the mock drafts that I have done as well. You put trade details in there. So you've got Carolina sending their number one this year, which is number seven overall. Their number two this year, which is 38. And then most importantly, 
another first rounder next year. So you've got two ones and a two, and then you also have another two going in 2022, but obviously picks that far out, you don't even know what the value is going to be. The main thing is here, two ones and a second rounder this year for Carolina to move up from number seven to number three, jumping Miami, jumping Los Angeles, the Chargers, to go up and get to it. What do you think about that? Was this more of a pick that you really like, or is this more of a pick that you really think could happen? Because there's a couple different ways that obviously you could do mock draft picks. Well, right. And I, and, and I like the fact that nobody has, has, like, this is like, two years ago we got this question a lot. Is this a mock of what you would do or a mock of what you think will happen? Which is always like, I don't know, they're the same? Like, not really, but, you know, I think the Panthers are going to be aggressive going after a quarterback accordingly if i think that's what's going to happen i fill in the gaps in terms of i would trade up in front of miami and i would do it for tua with what i would do right so the panthers in terms of trading up to three is an exercise in asking the question of tua usually goes at five to the dolphins what if he didn't Mm -hmm. what is likely the case and the two likely cases are one dolphins trade up Two, Panthers trade up. I believe the Panthers are more likely to trade up. And people are like, oh, Marty Herney never trades up. Marty Herney is not calling the shots to the same degree to which he used to. No. There's a a new analytics department that is installed, and there's a new very hands-on owner. So I think Marty Herney probably had to make some promises in order to keep his job. So I'm not too locked in on what Herney used to do. So that's number one. Number two. The Dolphins can match and beat any offer the Panthers can put together. I agree. Dolphins have a lot of capital. They have at least this year, too, which is important. Yeah, but not just this year, next year as well. Right, but the this year capital is really important because if we're talking about a trade-up with the Lions, GM Bob Quinn doesn't necessarily have, you know, two two years left to make picks. Very true. You know, like that, I, I gave a 2022 second, like you said. Don't know if Bob Quinn's gonna be around making picks 2022 for the Lions, right? So the, the Dolphins can give them more capital in a more immediate time frame, which is important to Patricia and Quinn, who know their jobs are on the line. But Miami matching or beating any Tua offer is conditional on the idea that Miami wants Tua badly enough relative to the other quarterbacks in this class to do so. Because, as what happens in this draft, if Miami is cool with Tua and Herbert at five then why would they trade up to three right. to go get Tua right. if they can keep 18 and they can keep 26 and they can keep a future one and sit there and take Herbert, who do they view as an equivalent prospect? Which I say that, the internet goes bananas. <laughs> and then Monday morning, there's an article from, I believe the Miami Herald, I'm sorry if I'm misquoting you, which is like, hey, per sources close to the situation, Miami's a lot higher than Herbert and a lot lower on Tua than people seem to think. Which like, that's the whole freaking Right. We don't know. <laughs> and so it's not enough to say Miami can match any offer. They can. I, it, 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 we have to know that they're willing to do so, which means they have to value Tua higher than Herbert. So if, if any team is going to get aggressive trading up for Tua, I think it's going to be Carolina. I agree. And if Miami is not locked in on matching the offer, then Carolina will have enough capital to get it done. Yeah, and, and like you just said there, Miami might e- not even like Tua as much as Carolina likes Tua. So maybe maybe they even play the drive of the price game, not even really caring who they get. Now, I will say this. I think that you know when you get into the game of 
hey, we would like this prospect or this prospect. Like, we're cool with either. Even when it's like multiple positions when you're talking about top 15 picks or just first-round picks in general. I think that that thought process exists. I don't know how much it exists with quarterbacks, right? I, I find it very hard to believe that a team would view two quarterbacks that you would be picking in the top 10 similarly. Not that you couldn't like both of them, but for example, I just find it... Like, let's take Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw. I think that there are going to be some teams in the NFL that go, we'd be cool with either of those guys. Like, full, like legit, we'd be cool with either of them. We don't care. The difference is not that great. They're going to make an impact for our team. We love both these guys at prospects. We truly would not mind which one falls to us, and we select. When it comes to playing quarterback, I, I just don't know if that same kind of thought process exists to the level it does with other positions. I think you really do have to say, we like this guy better than the other one. And if that is the case... I have a hard time thinking it's the right thought process to sit back and let the guy that you think would be better for your team go to a different team, especially when you're within striking distance. I think you know certainly stuff with Miami goes a lot more into that because they have a lot of holes on their roster and they'd be given a lot of picks to outbid what I think is going to be a very aggressive Carolina team. But I just wanted to say I do think that it kind of the, the the plane is not as even when it comes to the quarterback's position when it talks to someone like that. You also have two other quarterbacks going in the top six. You have Herbert then going to the Dolphins at five. Quarterbacks going in the top six, man. You have what? I have four total quarterbacks going in the top six. Yeah. If you include Burrow. No, no, that's what I said. I said four. Oh, you said two other quarterbacks in the top six, which yeah. like oh, besides two and Burrow. Yeah, yeah. You were correct. Burrow, Tungavailoa going three, Herbert going five, and then getting real spicy in here, picking Jordan Love at six with the Los Angeles Chargers. Did you, Ben, when you did these picks here, did you, again, did you think about this was kind of something that you could see happening? Like, do you, do you think that Jordan Love is worth a top six overall selection? Or do you just think, hey, this is kind of the mock draft that you wanted to set up, that this is very much a reality that could happen, even if you don't think maybe Jordan Love is worth that top six selection? No. Jordan Love is not worth top six. No, 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 no. And I'm not even sold on Herbert being worth top five. Um, this is not, you know, Josh Allen went worth top seven pick and he went there. Dwayne yes. Haskins won't worth top 16 pick. Hey, he people, went there. Like, you know, forget. so when we, when we, once we get past quarterback one, <laughs> we're typically at a, at a stage where we're drafting players who are not necessarily worth that thing, but that's, that's what the quarterback premium is. That's what it is in the market. So this here is, Speaking of quarterback okay. premium, sign up for TDM premium. All right, go back to you, Ben. Oh my gosh, wow. TDM expert slack. Um, <laughs> trade picks in the mock draft machine, insane. Anyway, um, this is, oh, you know, so so the, the, the Tua at three to the Panthers was, if someone's going to trade up for Tua, who's it going to be and how is it going to look? This now, Herbert at five and Love at six, is what to me is the natural progression of Domino's following, right? Now, you 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 ask the question a little bit of 2018, right? Like in 2018, we had a comparable quarterback class in terms of the number of people that were expected to go early. Now, what we didn't have, what what we don't have in 2020 that we did have in 2018 was uncertainty as to who quarterback one would be. And so uh, you saw a lot of, of, you know, like trades kind of 
throughout the the uh the the actual first round of the draft they happened concurrent you know during during the uh the actual event but when you had baker at one donald at three right you end up with josh allen at seven rosen at 10 a lot of times when we were projecting the 2018 draft we started asking to ourselves basically after the jets made the indie trade what sort of a rush could we get on quarterbacks after a team trades up are we going to get aggressive trade-ups because guys really want to get after their guy and they're worried about other teams what 2018 doesn't have the 2020 does is a ton of teams that could but don't have to draft a quarterback and that's the uncertainty that gets things really interesting i think that the Bengals have to and the dolphins have to mm. i don't think the panthers have to and that's what's curious about the Panthers situation is if they go for the quarterback, well, then that's one team now that didn't have to that did. And now all of a sudden, if you're the Chargers and you don't have to, but there's really only one left that you might like in the first round, and that's Jordan Love. Or are you going to be willing to pass on him? Because if quarterbacks are going fast, Jake Fromm's not going to be there round two. Jacob Beast is not going to be there round two, right? So maybe you feel the rush and you have to go up and you have to attack Love. And then later I have Tampa Bay trading up for Easton in front of the Colts because Colts and the Raiders, 12, 13, 14, Raiders, Colts, Buccaneers, all three of them mm-hmm. on a potential line to draft a quarterback. And we'll, we'll have more clarity by March and by April. But right now, I mean, the top 15 is rife with teams who could reasonably select a quarterback early. And so I think it's a, it's a good environment for the market to just go through the roof. And that's why once the Dolphins take Herbert at five, which if they didn't trade up for two at three, it's because they're taking Herbert at five. Then I have the Chargers getting desperate and grabbing love because they need somebody to develop behind Tyrod Taylor. And they can't wait because maybe that last guy who they liked in the first round is only love. He's only due to his left. Do you have a favorite haul? Because you did you did a two-round mock draft here. So obviously there, there's teams picking multiple times. Did you have a favorite haul when it came to the end of it? I it Certainly, even the last time that I did a mock draft... Um, you like a lot of them, right? I mean, you're trying yes. to pair teams with their needs, and you, you think you do a good job of pretty much lining those up. But was there a, a haul or two that you said, man, they got really good value for a position that they needed in the first, and then they were able to capitalize and swing on that momentum, analytics people triggered momentum, uh, in the second round? Was there, a, was there a haul that really stood out to you that you just really, really liked that you would like to expound upon? Uh, I got good vibes from Cleveland, Mackay Becton, and then a trade back with the Falcons to grab Antoine Winfield. Oh, love uh, and it. I believe love it. I love it. And and I'm not the biggest Antoine Winfield fan. At 47 is a little bit too rich for me. But I believe they grabbed like they they changed a six into a fourth by doing so. And Atlanta's fourth is like 109. Mm-hmm. So they get pretty good pick that they grabbed. Um, and, and Winfield is apparently a favorite in Cleveland Twitter right now. So that was a good one. Um. Uh, I killed it for the Jaguars. I won't hear otherwise. You gave, I don't them, love you gave them Simmons. So, uh, Simmons at nine, CJ Henderson at 20, which like I'm not the biggest CJ Henderson fan, but yeah. drafting a man cover corner replacement in state for Jalen Ramsey uh, at a position of dire need. And then because I had Ashton Davis going at 31 to the Niners and don't get me freaking started about how San Francisco feels about that. Uh, Grant Delpit was still around in the second round. And so when the Jaguars came back wow. for their second round pick, which was 42, That's I gave him Delpit. Ooh. So I played Delpit and Simmons on the same football team, which is pretty long. There's a lot of, lot of limbs, a lot of size. I know, I know Jaguars um, fans would be would would push back on that because there are some that really think that like trenches above anything else, like run block and interior defensive line. But it it's very hard to look at that haul for the Jaguars and think that 
that's not something that you would sign up for you know that's right that's and something like, and that's, that's something right special. so i like that one um I people are upset with me with the Colts. I don't get it. You got CD Lamb at 13. And then like, yeah, Zach Bond at 34 and Jason Matabuki at 44 are not the sexiest names in the face of the that's planet. But go watch haul. go watch the football players and then come back and ask Man, me how you that's feel a good haul. Yeah. Um Lions fans love the fact because I traded back from three to seven. Yeah. And then I, I am able to still get a kudo, which is the really interesting thing for the Lions, right? Is like the Lions are the pivot, right? The Lions control the draft. They Things do. move on the Lions. Yes. Because Burrow, Young, but is Akuda good enough to deny a haul to trade back? It's kind of like a common question we look at for the Lions pick. And my argument is, listen, if you're moving back to five, Akuda is almost definitely safe because I don't see the Giants taking him at four, which means you move back to the Dolphins, you get Akuda at five, and you probably picked up another one of this year's ones in the process. And even if you move back to seven, I don't think Miami's taking him at five, and I don't think the Chargers are taking him at six. The Chargers scare me a little bit, but you might be able to move back from three to seven and get the guy you were going to take at three. That allowed me to grab another second, 38 overall, which was the Panthers pick. And so I added Xavier McKinney to help me replace Quandre Diggs. And I also got Lloyd Cushenberry to be my starting guard because Graham Glasgow is probably going to hit free agency. And McKinney and Cushenberry are not like, oh, wow, how exciting. But listen, three top 40 picks and you got the guy you were going to get at three, right? So it, it's the Lions are in a super good spot, in my opinion, to trade backs. I think if Akuda's their dude, they can still get Akuda while also garnering that new top 40 pick. Um, but my favorite class, I think, is is Buffalo. Oh, uh, I, was, I was literally just about yeah. to say, love Buffaloes. And love I think, I think, Buffaloes. I, and and I, I always, I do two things with every mock draft one i make sure i piss kyle off and that's not like true but, but i always do i always do something where kyle's like that was the dumbest thing ever and i'm like like i gave him zach bond at 26 last time i did a mock and he was like why would you do that i was like because zach bond's a good player and yeah, you need an edge thing, and you thing, like funny thing about, edges funny thing about good football players you draft them yeah you draft them um and then i always from like my last few drafts i can remember at least maybe he remembers otherwise i always give joe what he's looking for Joe always seems to like. Now, 22, AJ Epinesa, edge out of Iowa. I don't think he should fall out of the top 20 relative to his talent level, but it seems to be the direction we're heading, and I don't think the combine's going to be great for him, so here we are. I was sitting there with Epinesa on the board at like 16, 17. I was like, I can't do it, I can't do it. And then I got him to 22, and I look at Buffalo, and I go, you know what? I always think about Buffalo as needing a speed edge, but number one, they Sean McDermott's hire has done wonders for Shaq Lawson, who wins as an edge defender at 260 plus. Sure. And I remember that when Sean McDermott was in Carolina, Mario Addison, who could not stick on a roster, was able to hang in Carolina and then significantly improved over the years with with McDermott there. Now, his best year was 2017, which was right after McDermott left, but he still steadily improved as, as a role player through uh, 2011, 2012, 2013, 14, 15, 16. So the entire McDermott, you know, Error there as, as, as the defensive coach, also a 260 plus pound edge. So I think that Epinesa can be coached well by McDermott and off the bus, I believe is a better athlete than what you got from Mario Addison. And I also think he's going to be a better athlete than what you got from Shaq Lawson. And, and, and in terms of coming out, 
I can't tell you what Addison looked like. I know Addison was like a late pick and whatever. I remember watching Shaq Wilson a little bit. It was a while ago, and I, I like to think I was better at this now than I was then. I think that 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 the film is at least comparable in terms of what you were getting out of Shaq Lawson. And mm-hmm. Lawson had a good combine. So so maybe Epinesa is equivalent athletically. Maybe he's a little less athletically. But I think that he's right about what Shaq Lawson was when people when when, when Lawson was being evaluated coming out. And I think that you bring in Epinesa, you're able to develop him to be that outside big end, especially if you lose Lawson because you denied his fifth year option. So Ebenezer makes a ton of sense for the Bills and Sean McDermott in that reason. And then they come around in round two and they get Brandon Ayuk. And Ayuk lasting to 54 is, is I think, the, the tail end of his range. People expect him to go earlier. Yeah. But if he's yeah. around for Buffalo, even at 22, I'm sure he'll be a thought. 54 is a no-brainer. Ayuk gives you the speed that you want with your, your, your weapons with Josh Allen's rocket arm. But he doesn't sacrifice you for size, right? He's got tremendous uh catch radius abilities he's got a super huge wingspan he's good adjusting to the football and that's exactly the sort of receiver you want allen throwing the ball to so i think Ayuk is is un- like I, when i realized he was there for buffalo i was like shoot this yeah, is awesome like really great for them really great haul there for buffalo another one that i liked i like the falcons one because you have them getting chased on and i look any- uh, falcons don't like it falcon sands that is what did they what did they not like the fact that you didn't address trade up for a running back in round two <laughs> Listen, man, I'm looking at the players. I like the players. You traded you traded a second and a fourth to move up a couple of spots. So you moved down from the fourth to the sixth to move up six spots to go get DeAndre Swift. So, okay, any haul that begins with Caleb on chase on going at 16 is a win for the Falcons, right? I mean, like, that is their win that 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 is automatically not gonna say automatically but that on that makes the draft hall stand out no matter what if, if they can get Caleb on chase on x16 they'd be doing backflips they then come around in the second round and yes you have them trading up but you have them then getting DeAndre Swift which they're going to absolutely need when they get rid of uh Devonta Freeman and then you have them getting Raquan Davis. So I just did the review of the Falcons roster and folks let me tell you that defensive line is not great you know, you got Grady Jarrett, and then, I mean, Tax still got to become more of an impact player, but then if you if you give me a starting front of Tack McKinley, Caleb on Chase on, Grady Jarrett, and Raekwon Davis, like, that is a difference-making front four. You get Deion Jones behind him. You know, that I think the linebacker group is fine. Corner needs a little bit of work, but I think that is a phenomenal haul for the Falcons. Maybe they didn't like the trade up. Whatever, go draft good players. I, I guess is is I love the players that they got. But it, I gave the uh, the Dolphins Dobbins at twenty six, round one running back, and I wrote it and I was like, listen, like you, you know, this would never happen. This player would never fall that far, or whatever. Yeah, well, guess what? Sometimes teams like take running backs in the first round. Like right. anytime you give and, any and, fan base a running back early. And here's the thing: the second the first running back goes off the board. The clock starts. Like, you start the clock. Because if Dobbins goes 26, then I don't even know if Swift lasts until 41. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's waiting to see who's going to pick that first running back. Now, a couple of years ago when Saquon was in the draft, it was a little different because they knew that he was going high, no matter what, because it was Saquon Barkley. But, like, in this draft, when the first running back goes off the board, like, everybody's just going to be sitting around there because... NFL teams aren't stupid. They understand this just as well as 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 we can when we analyze the running back draft, the running back class. 
there are good running backs to be had throughout the draft in this class. There are impact players to be had on all three days of the draft from this running back group. But that doesn't mean the guys at the top aren't really good impact players. They are. Teams are just going to wait to see which running back gets picked first and where they get picked first. Because this goes back to what we were talking about before, where you could look at a class or looking at one or two or three prospects and go, yeah, we would be cool with any of these guys. But the second the first one goes off the board, every team who is even considering getting one of those other guys that's still left has to start sweating. They have to start thinking who they're going to get because I think there's a major difference. Yes, you can get running back value in a bunch of different places, but if you want the guys at the top, DeAndre Swift is great. Jonathan Taylor is great. J.K. Dobbins is great. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is great, right? If you want one of these guys, right when one one of them goes off, all of a sudden everybody else is on the clock. You're kind of racing to make sure that you get your guy. Falcons moved up from 47 to 41 to go get a running back, to go get DeAndre Swift, who's a Georgia kid. Well, he's a Philly kid, obviously. Shout out Philly. Shout out Jane Joe's. But he's a Georgia product, right? Who is behind him? Olamide Zacchaeus? Was that Olamide Zacchaeus, baby. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. In high school. Yeah. Leading reception leader at the University of Virginia. Just such a weird thing. Anyway, but they move up in front of Jaguars of 42, who aren't likely to go running back, but could. 43 Jets, who very well could go running back because they want to get out of Le'Veon Bell. 44 Colts, who very well could go running back because Marlon Mack has not been consistently available for them. 45 Buccaneers, who very well could go running back because they do not have a... What's that? No, I said yes. Yeah. They 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 do not have an entrenched starter, right? So, like, you, you know, okay, the Falcons... 58 picks on day three to ensure they got the running back that they want. You won't remember that in a year when DeAndre Swift is a pretty freaking good rookie. Come on. I mean, look, I'm, I'm with you. Last one that I wanted to talk about, Damon Arnett. You have him going in the second round to the Denver Broncos. You're pairing that haul with getting Henry Ruggs at 15. I think that's a great haul for the Denver Broncos. Obviously, they have some trench needs, some offensive tackle needs that they'd like to address as well, but this is just not how the mock planned out. So I think for the players that they got, they've got to be happy with it. What do you think of Damon Arnett? We've talked a little bit about him throughout this podcast or podcast kind of in passing with the cornerback class. I'll just ask you straight up because there's been a lot of hype for Damon Arnett as of late, kind of raising his stock around draft media, if you will. Do you think this is a guy that could sneak into the first round? Or do you think the depth of this cornerback class is going to hold him back, staying more in that day two range? I'm scheduled to watch Damon Arnett on Wednesday. Today's okay. Monday. Okay. Um, I what I will say is I have not seen a rep of Damon Arnett in live viewings that I have liked. I think he's a good ball high player. Praise. Yeah, I, I really think that he took a big step forward in his senior season. I remember watching his junior season and being like, this guy could go high like decently high tomorrow on tools alone, but it's good that he came back because he needs a lot of polish, right? Like he needs to calm down and he needs to, to better, you know, risk management and his decision-making and he needs better route recognition, whatever. Seems like we had significant improvements. That's the general consensus. I'm mm-hmm. excited to watch him and see it all. He definitely, I can tell you right now, makes sense as a Fangio corner because he's physical and willing to tackle and he's yes, super quick and intelligent from off coverage which is what we need for Fangio corners so I like him in Denver in round two off of what I've already seen and if I watch him and I like him higher then maybe he doesn't make it all the way to 47 uh, my only knock on Damon Arnett my biggest knock on him really is that he had uh, longer dreadlocks at one point and then cut him you know just 
decision. You hate to see it. You just you, you hate to see it. Folks, if you haven't read Ben's mock draft David yet, Arnett was also the one who uh, he received some criticism in the media for missing pre-draft workouts. And then he quote tweeted, yeah, because my son was getting born. So stock <laughs> up. I love it, dude. I love it when they kind of look. Respect it immensely. This is this drive is by draft Twitter. So, trial by draft Twitter. Look, this is like reporting, smash and send per sources season, and like all of this stuff, you, you know just this. let it fly from so many different people who have been in the industry for a long time that are trying to get the retweets, trying to get the exposure, trying to become the quote unquote draft source or whatever. Man, there are a lot of these guys that don't even hear the right side of the story. Sometimes it's not their fault, but sometimes they're exaggerating the truth or in a situation where they shouldn't be. And so if a guy reports something on a player, especially something negative like that, and um, and it's not the truth, good for you. Good for you calling him out. I'm sure that we'll get called out plenty um, in the next coming months. I, well, I hope not, but you know, I'm sure it's, uh, it's bound to happen anytime you're doing it. So if you guys have not looked at Ben's mock draft, please do so. Let them know what you think, not just on Twitter, but Ben's going to be doing a live Q&A talking about this mock draft on Monday, later on Monday. If you hear this podcast on Monday, you might be able to still get in on it. But he's also going to be kind of answering questions throughout the week about the mock draft over at the premium Slack channel. If you are a TDN premium member, you get access to every channel that we have over over in the Slack, which has been a lot of fun as of late, man. It's, that, that Slack is growing so much and the information is going so crazy. It's even hard to keep up with it at some times, but uh, we're having a lot of fun over there. Not just learning the information and exchanging thoughts, but uh, this has also become a big time meme bank for me. I have gathered a lot of memes that I did yeah, not right. previously have from the TDN premium Slack. So we're getting something from the people, just like hopefully they're getting something from us. We are going to continue our combine coverage over the next couple of days on this podcast. We are going to defense this week. Man, one week from today, we're going to be in Indianapolis for the start of the combine. And the drills don't get underway until, what is it, Wednesday or Thursday? I think it's Thursday. The drills get underway, but there's a lot of stuff that happens in the early part of the week. So Ben and I will be there, but we got to get you guys ready for the combine before that. So we're going to do that all week this week. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.